session with Dr. Farid Hulakwi. Good afternoon and welcome to In Session with Dr. Fadid Holakwi. I'm your host, Dr. Fadid Holakwi, and I'll be with you for the next two hours here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. But I ask that all questions be directed for my guest today, who is Dr. Melody Levian, and we're going to be talking about postpartum depression. So if you have any questions related to that, um, please call in because she is available to answer your questions. But let me introduce you to her first. So Dr. Melody Levian is a licensed clinical psychologist who specializes in working with individuals who are struggling with depression, anxiety, and various life transitions. Dr. Levian has extensive training and experience in working with children, adolescents, young adults, and older adults in both individual, couple, and family settings. She works collaboratively with her patients to help them improve their symptoms and overall quality of life. And one of her passions is working with women who are suffering from postpartum depression. And that's what she is here to talk about today. Dr. Levian currently sees patients in her private practice in Beverly Hills and Encino. And if you want to call her office, the number is 310-228-3634. And you can also go to her website, www wellnesspsychotherapy.com. And also what we'll be talking about today um, is that she's starting a postpartum support group for women who have had a baby within the last five months. It is a six-week group that will take place once a week in the evening. And if you're interested, you can contact her at the office number I gave before, 310-228-3634. And we'll talk more about that support group later on in the show. But Dr. Levian, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Dr. Fadid. Um, it's truly an honor to be here, and I am very excited to talk about today's topic, which yes. is postpartum depression. Um, We're so, very happy to have you on the show. It's an honor to have you on the show to talk about this very, very important topic. Um, we spoke a few weeks ago, and you mentioned this topic, and I got, thought, wow, this is such an important one, and I haven't really devoted a show to it. So I'm so happy that we are able to do that. And maybe before we even get into what it is and get into the meat of the issue, you can tell us a bit about what got you interested or makes you so passionate about this topic. Absolutely. So... Uh, I've been practicing psychology for over 10 years now mm -hmm. and have worked with various mood disorders, depression, anxiety, and had learned a lot about postpartum depression. But it wasn't until I started seeing women coming into my practice that were struggling, whether mm -hmm. they had just had a child within the last few weeks, they had had a child within the last past few months, and uh, were were really struggling to you know find the purpose of being a new mother but also mm -hmm. struggling with their emotions feeling de depressed and anxious and overwhelmed and not really knowing why um, this is after all supposed to be the most joyous time you've had a child you've brought a baby into this world the biggest miracle and yet you know a lot of these women are experiencing these mixed emotions of mm -hmm sadness and, and overwhelm. And so I started to see women in my practice. And then I had my own first child. And 
um, started to notice the hormonal shifts happening um, and not really knowing, you know, this thing that I had learned about and had seen in my practice in my patients, um, I started to experience, you know, some some blues, some sadness, some hormonal shifts. And by the time I had my second child, I felt a lot more prepared for um, this this experience and knowing that it was completely normal mm-hmm. and found a newfound passion for working with this population. And so I, you know, I dedicated a large portion of my practice to seeing new mothers and women who were struggling with various forms of postpartum depression and um, realized that there really isn't a lot of information and a lot of awareness about this topic. So I'm here today to, to give you all some information and some tips and some support so that if you or anyone in your life is experiencing symptoms of postpartum depression, you can get the help that you need so that you can enjoy life. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, that's that's wonderful and very important. And I've seen it in my practice or even with people um, just in personal life. You you see that, and you brought up a lot of really interesting and important points that I know we're going to touch on throughout our time today. But especially that feeling that yes, I, I just had a child. I'm supposed to be happy and. This is the best thing that's ever happened to me. And it's, I'm only supposed to feel joy and happiness, not realizing that or recognizing that most really big experiences give us mixed feelings that you said, like you might Absolutely. be very happy and excited about having this child, but you're also overwhelmed. You're maybe a little scared. Will I be able to handle it? There's anxiety. There's all sorts of things that you go through. And also what I know you'll talk about is physically what's going on in the body of the, the new mother that can lead to. Uh, emotional issues mm-hmm. as well. So maybe we should start with that, talking about, well, what is, what are we even talking about here with postpartum blues, postpartum depression? What do we, what are we talking yes. about? So, you know, there are really three different categories when you, when you discuss postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. The first is postpartum blues. And 85% of women who, de- after delivery, experience postpartum blues. That's a large yeah. percentage. Uh, 85%, I just, uh, you know, to me, when I read that statistic, that means that you should expect you're going to get postpartum blues. It's like almost should be thought of as a rare few don't get it less, you know, 10, 15%. Exactly. But you should expect you're going to get it. Absolutely. And it's really, you know, the symptoms include feeling sadness, feeling tearful, um, you know, easily crying, feeling irritable, sometimes feeling anxious. Mm -hmm. And this is completely normal. If you think about it, it takes 10 months for your body to um, create a baby. And then you go to, through this traumatic experience of giving birth and a wonderful experience, but very taxing on your body and mm-hmm. on the body of the baby. And within 48 hours of delivering a baby, your body loses a significant amount of those happy hormones, the estrogen and the progesterone that's developed over 10 months. Mm-hmm. And so this really impacts your physical body and your mental health. And it's completely normal. Once this, you know, significant shift happens, um, your body tends to try, go into a shock. Mm -hmm. And that's when you start to feel, you know, very tearful, very, you know, often feeling sad and then feeling guilty that you're feeling sad. You know, I just brought this incredible child into the world and I should be happy and I should be bonding with him or her. 
and yet why am I feeling this way? And this typically takes about two to three weeks. And Mm -hmm. after two to three weeks, most women who are experiencing the postpartum blues uh, find a new normal and their mood tends to shift and they start to get kind of get back on track. I see. Yeah. So that's the postpartum blues. Those are the blues. It's not, uh, it's still lots of emotions, lots of ups and downs, but it's not going to be as severe as what we'll talk about next in the postpartum depression. But again, as you're talking about, just thinking about how much the new mother has to go through from the pregnancy itself, physically with the hormones and going through pregnancy or uh, childbirth, which can be a kind of like a mini trauma of sorts on the body and Mm -hmm. and just mentally as well, then taking on a new role of now I'm a mother, which itself can be identity crisis or identity feelings come up and so much more is going on. So when we think about that, you know, it's almost like, okay, makes sense to expect that someone who's just given birth is going to be emotionally in an up and down kind of a place. And I say that so we expect that going in, that when we see a new mother, whether it's in our family or a friend, whoever it is, or you yourself, that we should expect that when we come out of this process, there's going to be a lot of emotional ups and downs that we're going to experience. Of course. And so, you know, in addition to the fact that hormonally things are shifting and Mm -hmm. taking on this new role of a mother, a lot of times, like you said, it's an identity shift where you went from taking care of yourself and maybe Mm -hmm. your spouse to now having to care for another human being 24 hours. So um, not only are you caring for somebody else, add the combination of not sleeping very much, Mm -hmm. not having restful sleep. When a baby is born, typically, you know, they're being fed every two to three hours in the beginning um, and being changed and fed. And it's just, it's a continuous cycle that doesn't really allow for a lot of rest. Mm -hmm. So that also significantly impacts the blues as well. Yeah. And maybe, so that was the, yeah, the blues, um, as you mentioned, that's, it's, it can be very intense, but less severe than uh, postpartum depression. So maybe tell us a bit about that. Absolutely. So postpartum depression um, is more severe than the postpartum blues. Mm -hmm. This doesn't necessarily always happen directly after birth. It can happen within two to three months after giving birth. It can happen uh, fairly quickly. And 10 to 15% of women experience postpartum depression following delivery. And these are similar symptoms, but more more severe. So mm-hmm. having a depressed or sad mood, tearfulness, having difficulty enjoying very many activities, having a lot of feelings of guilt or worthlessness, fatigue naturally because you're not getting mm-hmm. much sleep, but really fatigue in, to the point where you're not able to you know, get out of bed and function. Um, having difficulty concentrating and even experiencing suicidal thoughts where, you know, you might start to question your role as a mother. Is this really for me? You know, I, I wasn't cut out for this. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if maybe my family would be better off without me. Um, and these are all symptoms of postpartum depression. And if these symptoms continue for two weeks or longer and are impacting your ability to function, um, this could be a sign that you may be suffering from postpartum depression. And it's it's really important that you pay attention to this and, and get the help. And I'll talk mm-hmm. more about yeah. treatment and support and what you can do to 
um, cope with these symptoms because they can and will get better with professional help. Right. And I think that's, I'm, I'm glad we're going to be doing that later. So people hearing this, you know, it sounds like, it, of course, very disturbing to have to go through all of that, but that there is hope, there is help, and we're going to get into what that is. But even still 10 to 15%, that's, you know, one out of every 10, one out of every seven to 10 moms is going to go through postpartum ex- depression and should be ready that that could be something they're going to experience. And as you said before, it's not better moms or worse moms that become depressed or have the blues. It's not related to that. There's just so much going on that, you know, it's completely unrelated to who you are as a mother. Um, But unfortunately, lots of moms can personalize that. Well, if I'm down, that means I'm not a good mom. If I'm not able to take care of my kid, you know, some of the symptoms you talked about in postpartum depression, it's because I'm not a good mom, but I'm not good enough for this. And I'm sure that can lead to a snowball effect where the person then doubts themselves as a mom, feels bad about who they are, isolates themselves more and and on and on and on. And, you know, obviously that can make things worse rather than realizing, okay, postpartum depression is this real thing. It's something that happens to a pretty nice chunk of people, we can say 10 to 15%. So it seems like that's what I'm going through. This means I need to get help. And, you know, we'll talk more about that um, in some of the, the next segments. Before we go to the commercial break, I did want you to also talk about the third level, if we can call it, levels of postpartum illnesses that people can deal with. Absolutely. And so the third is postpartum psychosis. And this is a lot more severe and rare, but it definitely does exist. And it's, you know, one to two out of every thousand women who give birth Mm -hmm. end up experiencing a postpartum psychosis. And it could happen within 48 to 72 hours post-birth. And these are, are women who are maybe experiencing hallucinations, delusions, and are at risk for suicide or homicide. Often you hear you know, st- stories on the news who uh, women who give birth and then you know, hurt their child or kill their child. And these are situations where women typically ha- have been having experiencing hallucinations and delusions and have not received adequate care. And therefore, you know, unfortunately, end up taking their own lives or the lives of their children. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is something a lot more severe. However, it does exist, and it's mm-hmm. important that we um, learn about it. Absolutely. And when we return from the commercial break, I'll s- spend a little bit of time talking about who may be more at risk yeah. for for having postpartum mm-hmm. depression and psychosis as well. Yeah, I think that would be very important to get into that, to know who might be at risk. But as you said, even postpartum psychosis, although more rare, it still is a real thing, and we have to be aware that it can happen so that if you see the signs, that you're aware that, okay, this is a real thing, and it requires immediate intervention because we don't want to let something like that go on because, as you mentioned, there could be really dire consequences. So after the break, we'll get a little bit more into these issues Also, myths and misconceptions that people have, things that people can do to help themselves and help loved ones who might be going through uh, postpartum issues, which, as you discussed, are much more common than people tend to think. So if you do want to call and have a question for my guest, Dr. Melody Levian, you can call the number 310-441-0555. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Dalakwi. We'll be right back.
Welcome back. My guest today again, Dr. Melody Levy, and we are talking about postpartum depression. If you have any questions about that topic, you can call in 310-441-0555. Before the break, we were talking about the different types of postpartum uh, emotional issues you can have, from blues to depression to psychosis. Um, maybe you can talk about some of the risk factors what you know that people might have that will make it more likely for them to experience things like postpartum depression. Yes, definitely. So really, anyone could be at risk for having postpartum depression. However, um, there are certain people that are at higher risk. Mm -hmm. So people who've had postpartum depression in the past, you know, that can make you more at risk for future pregnancies. Doesn't mean that if you've had it in the past with previous pregnancies that you're definitely going to have it, but your risk right. goes up. Mm -hmm. If you've had depression during your pregnancy or at other points throughout your life during your childhood, you may be at higher risk. Um, or if you have any history of depression, bipolar disorder, anxiety, those things can impact your mm -hmm. um, your brain and your you know your predisposition to having this. Also, a lot of times you hear about you know you have to when you're pregnant you should be happy. You don't want to hear sad news or be stressed out. I mean, the reality of life is that there are stressors and we don't live in a perfect world where you're going to be happy all the time. But if you do, if you do suffer from, you know, marital distress, or if you're having a lot of fa familial problems and experience significant stressors during your pregnancy, um, and you don't have adequate social support, those are all factors that can increase your chances mm -hmm. of having postpartum depression. So take-home message is, um, you know, getting the adequate support um, either before you get pregnant or during your pregnancy and um, recognizing if there are certain challenges, you know, to really work through some of those things yeah. because having a child is incredibly taxing and can only exacerbate some of those um, symptoms of mm -hmm. depression and, and anxiety. Right. Yeah, there's never a good time to experience stress, but especially during pregnancy, both for the health of the mother and the child, it is very important. And preparation for pregnancy, we talk about a lot of the physical ways people prepare, but emotionally emotionally, and, and mentally is also important for the family to be prepared to be in a good place so that the mom, while she's pregnant, can feel okay, doesn't have a lot of stress financially, moving, you know, things like that. And also between husband and wife, it's very important for them to be in a good place. Absolutely. I see a lot of young adults in my practice and um, new mothers or mm -hmm. mothers that are pregnant or couples that are coming in for, you know, premarital counseling or once they've gotten married, they'll take a break and, you know, they'll come back and um, the wife is pregnant and they're coming in for a few sessions to help them prepare for parenthood, which I think is absolutely yeah. wonderful. Mm -hmm. And, um, there's a lot of preparation. I mean, you know, no one's ever really ready for marriage. Marriage makes you ready for marriage. <laughs> I had a, a very wise professor that once said that. And I think the same goes for having a child. Mm -hmm. You're never ready to bring a child into this world. But once you have the child, that gets you ready. But, you know, there are things that you can do, right. um, such as taking classes or going to therapy, going to family or couples therapy to help facilitate good communication mm -hmm. and help you and your partner prepare for um, parenthood, yeah. which is a huge journey. And um, 
a lot of times, you know, I'll have patients give birth and then call me within a few weeks after giving birth saying, you know, I tried to prepare for this, but I feel like I'm falling apart. And, you know, I, I normalize that experience. And uh, I'll talk a little bit later in the show about this postpartum support group that I'll be starting. But really, you know, recognizing that this is all very normal, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's the blues or depression or more, in more severe cases, psychosis, this is something that a lot of women experience, but they, they just don't talk about it. Right. And I think that's why the support group is so important to have that connection, normalizing and just feeling of community that, okay, we're going through this together. Uh, but like you said, you can never fully be prepared for marriage and you can never fully be prepared for being, being a parent, but you do want to do the best you can to prepare yourself as much as possible. And I think we talk about premarital counseling, which I always recommend, but pre-parental counseling is something we should talk Absolutely. about too, that get yourselves ready. And I talked about, I think two weeks ago on the show, you know, parents being on the same page, because once the kid is here, it's too late to start trying to, okay, now let's figure out how we want to parent together. Because You can have different philosophies, different styles and all that. We can maybe leave that co-parenting for another show, but it's important. But I think it's important for the couple to know that, yeah, by being on the same page, they can make what's going to be a difficult process at least maybe a little easier, at least not add to that that stress. Um, You know, you talked about what we're, you know, what we're looking at, postpartum depression and also the blues and psychosis. And we've touched on some of these myths and misconceptions throughout, but maybe we can focus a little bit more. What are some of the myths and misconceptions that you see related to postpartum mental illness? Yes, I think that's a wonderful question. And I think that we see in Western American culture, we see a lot of myths and misconceptions, but also in Middle Eastern Iranian culture, Mm -hmm. that adds a whole other level. So we'll talk a little bit about that. You know, I think that, you know, when someone finds out that they're pregnant, typically it's a very exciting time if it's something that you had planned for and wanted. And you know, you're preparing for 10 months, you're getting all this positive attention for, for being pregnant, and you're mm-hmm. so excited to meet your baby. And a lot of times, you know, you give birth, and all of a sudden, you're experiencing all these mixed emotions. And, you know, a lot of women think, wait a second, this is not what I expected. I thought that this was going to be this wonderful, happy time. Why am I feeling sad? Mm -hmm. Why am I feeling overwhelmed? Why am I crying? I don't even know why I'm crying. Mm -hmm. What what is this? This was something that I had been anticipating for 10 months. And so, you know, recognizing that you don't have to be instantly happy. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of times attachment early on once the baby is born is incredibly important for the mother and the child and even the father and the child. Uh, but a lot of women struggle with that. So recognizing that there's nothing wrong with you, um, that some of these feelings of, you know, sadness can go along with being excited. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be happy and excited all the time. Um, and a- another myth is that, you know, you have to be, if you're sad and you're crying constantly, that means you have postpartum depression. Sometimes it doesn't manifest that way. Mm-hmm. I think that's an important one because it, with depression in general, sometimes I'll work with families and with te- they're you know, talking about their teenagers or even with adults. And, they th- you know, you say, you know, I think so-and-so might be depressed. Like, oh, no, no, because I've seen him laugh at jokes before or they, you know, we, we, he, he messes around or he has fun when he does this. 
And depression in general doesn't mean sad all the time or only sad. It can mean sad most of the time or a lot of the time. But because you see someone laugh or because someone's not constantly crying doesn't mean they're not necessarily depressed. Exactly. And I think, you know, that translates from mm-hmm. depression to postpartum depression. Absolutely. So, you know, someone might say, I think I may be suffering from postpartum depression. However, you know, they're not crying and it's it, it's being portrayed through, you know, being irritable, feeling anxious, feeling angry, mm-hmm. isolating, um, having difficulty care for their child, having a difficult time bonding with their child. So depression in and of itself doesn't look the same from one person to the next, and neither does postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. So really kind of looking at the person and recognizing, you know, what are their symptoms? Are they you know, pulling away? Are they having a hard time just communicating and expressing themselves? Maybe those are signs of postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. You know, and I wanted to go back to the first one, because to me, this is such, maybe to me, the biggest myth that we have related to this, that this idea that because having a baby and, and, you know, becoming a parent, becoming a mother is such a wonderful, beautiful thing, you're just going to feel positive feelings. Mm-hmm. Because I think that misconception and that expectation, you know, it's almost this like fairy tale kind of a thing. Uh, you know, pregnancy itself is going to be so beautiful. When no, you know, there's a lot of pain and difficulties and you know, gestational yes. diabetes and this, you know, there's a whole thing going on there. Physically, it's not even that simple and easy at all the first part. And then childbirth itself is not easy, of course, and has its own real things you have to deal with. And then becoming a mom it's a lot of stress, sleepless nights, you know, the physical things you're going through. So we have to shift that expectation that, yes, this is a wonderful, beautiful thing that's happening, but it doesn't mean there's just purely good feelings that come with it. Because it's such a big undertaking, we would expect you feel a whole bunch of things. You know, you get a promotion and go to a great job, you're going to experience some feelings of loss, some experiences of anxiety. Am I good enough for this? Am I going to make it? You're going to have a whole bunch of negative emotions that come along with this very positive experience. Now magnify that times a million when you're talking about bringing a live baby into Mm -hmm. this world. And so we should expect that people are going to have mixed emotions, even in the most, you know, optimal of situations, you're going to feel a lot of different things. So if you're sad shortly after you give birth, that's okay. It doesn't mean you're doing something wrong or bad. If you're anxious, that makes sense. You're taking on the most important role anyone could probably take in their life. So we should definitely shift these expectations. That's why I wanted, I'm so happy to have you on to open this conversation. So people start to see, okay, a lot of these things we think, you know, even I I think it's interesting, we call it a bundle of joy, a baby, Mm -hmm. and they are so cute and sweet and wonderful in so many ways, but they're also a bundle of stress and responsibility and pressure and a whole bunch of other things as well. Well said, absolutely. Yes. And I think it's so important to to normalize it Mm -hmm. the way that you just did so nicely to recognize that it's a big shift and it's okay. It's okay to feel sad. And just Mm -hmm. to be able to say that to a new mother of you can be excited and happy and sad and almost in some ways you can mourn the loss of your independence in Mm -hmm. some ways, Mm -hmm. mourn the loss of, you know, this baby that was physically attached to you for 10 months and now is no longer attached to you. and, And so you have to find a new way of attaching. Yeah. And so... Just the mere fact of normalizing that experience can go such a long way uh, for someone who's experiencing this sadness. And I think, you know, maybe even taking that message going forward, I think parents might think, I have to enjoy my kids 
only enjoy my kids. Never should they be stressful or should I have feelings of anger or frustration, you know, and if I'm a good mom or dad, that's how I should feel. It's like, no, parenting is going to be a challenge for the rest of your life. Absolutely. It's going to have, and I'm sure you can speak to that. With I saw pictures of your two cute little boys, but I'm sure as much as you love them to death, it's a challenge. Oh, of course, every day. And no sure. matter what, I think every day is a challenge. Mm-hmm. It's a blessing, of course. But to be able to recognize that it's a challenge and not have the shame and guilt. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, mothers in general have a lot of guilt. Yeah. But I think in, in our culture as well, there's a lot of pressure to to do it on your own, to be perfect at it, to not show any sign of weakness, mm-hmm. um, not ask for help. And these are all things that, you know, they impact you. Of course. They impact you as a person, as a, as a mother, as you know, a functioning person and, um, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, yeah. So basically that to me is like a big take home. Yes. When you get pregnant, when you have a baby, get ready for an emotional roller coaster. Uh, you're going to have ups and downs. You're going to be down and it doesn't at all make you a bad mom. In some ways it almost makes you realistic that you're feeling some anxiety and pressure about it. You know, to, if someone told me, I don't feel any anxiety about having a baby, I'd almost be concerned to some level that maybe they're not recognizing what they're about to undertake. Uh, yes. Doesn't mean they can't handle it, but that there should be some level like, oh, like this is a big deal, you know? Yes, of course. And, and it doesn't mean that every single mother experiences this. Right. You know, there are some some women that have a very, you know, simple mm-hmm. adjustment period and it's not, it doesn't impact them. But the majority of women right. do experience some level of you know, this is very overwhelming. This is challenging physically, mm-hmm. emotionally, psychologically. And um, just to normalize that a yeah. little bit. You know, I want to talk. A, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, we're about to get to another commercial break. because yes. I know you have a, a lot more to talk about related to the different myths and misconceptions people have and different facts. And we still are going to get into treatment and also um, talk a bit about culture, which you touched on, you know. Lots of cultures have the stigmas we've talked about, but in the Iranian culture, unfortunately, we sometimes magnify them. So we're going to get into that uh, as well. And again, the phone lines are open if you'd like to call in and talk to Dr. Levian about postpartum mental illness and mental health issues. The number is 310-441-0555. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Dalakwi. We'll be back after this commercial break. Welcome back. My guest again today, Dr. Melody Levion. We were talking about postpartum mental health and mental illnesses. Um, and Dr. Levion, we were talking before the break about some of the different myths uh, that you have noticed and observed. And maybe we can continue down that because I think there are so many. What are some other myths that people have about postpartum depression and mental health? So a typical myth is that although most women who experience postpartum depression experience that within the two to three months after giving birth, these symptoms can arise six months to mm. even to within a year of having having your baby. Mm-hmm. So um, 
within the first year, there can be um, diagnosable postpartum depression. Also, something that a lot of my patients and I think the general public aren't aware of is that if you are nursing, uh, breastfeeding your baby, mm-hmm. a lot of times once you, you wean your baby off of nursing and you're no longer breastfeeding, um, you can experience symptoms of postpartum blues or postpartum depression because your body's no longer um, releasing oxytocin mm-hmm. and... Um, a lot of times, you know, I'll have patients come in and think, you know, I've been doing great for six months and I just stopped breastfeeding and I'm not really sure what's going on, but I'm really, really sad. And, um, you know, that so this typically does happen. Uh, it's not something to be shocked about, but it, it's a hormonal shift as well. Mm-hmm. And another big one is miscarriage. Mm-hmm. So um, we know that miscarriage happens very prevalently. It's one in four women experience a miscarriage. And um, people don't recognize that the impact and the loss yeah. that's associated with a miscarriage. And, you know, even if, if the baby is only a few weeks or a few months, um, this is a significant loss. Mm-hmm. And some women can experience depression following a miscarriage mm-hmm. and it's pretty typical um, you know depending on if whether or not the miscarriage was traumatic uh, hormonally if things are shifting so you know being aware and recognizing yeah. that 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 can happen yeah I think that's that's a, a big one because I've seen that um, so many people dealing with that and unfortunately sometimes the minimizing of the experience sometimes you know I've heard people say even husbands saying, to their wives, well, we never saw the baby or knew the baby, so it's not a big deal. You know, it's as if it's not a loss. And you can definitely speak to this much better than I can, but from just speaking with new moms or even pregnant moms, you know, the mom starts to build a relationship with the baby as soon as she finds out she's pregnant. And it really, it's growing mm-hmm. with inside of her. There's something going on. There's a bonding that's happening. And then all the expectations, people are already dreaming and imagining my little girl or my little boy, what right. are we going to do? And then all of that is taken away with this loss and even through abortion which we you know is slightly different but still there's a loss of the pregnancy of and very often there is this minimizing that i've seen and i think it's important to recognize it's a loss and mm-hmm. you although you never saw the child you know, physically you still have to grieve the loss of this child absolutely and not only is it like you said is it physically impacting but mm-hmm. it's emotionally right. impacting mm-hmm. and i think a lot of times you know husbands or partners um, are not able to relate to that because they're not physically experiencing sure. that. Mm-hmm. That goes along with, you know, with miscarriage as well as in general postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. It's um, if you're not physically experiencing this, it's it's very difficult sometimes to have empathy. And I'll spend some time later talking about you know suggestions yes. for fathers or, or husbands, um, but yeah. recognizing that this is Absolutely. this is huge. You know, you also mentioned the the breastfeeding. I think that's an important one because. Mm. You know, you're you're weaning the baby, but you're weaning the mommy too. You know, yes. she's going to be going through some, even the loss of connection that they have. But on top of the the physical changes and the hormonal changes you were talking about, and it's good to be prepared for that. That you know, there's something to expect because I think sometimes that can even lead a mom who's weaning to then go back to breastfeeding because they're not liking the feeling of stopping. Yeah, they want to go on not realizing. Okay, this could That's be a, good a natural part of the process. Yes, absolutely. And you don't want to, you know, confuse things for the baby. So. Right being able to recognize that this can be a very normal process and yeah. it happens. Another myth that I really want to talk about is, 
you know, this con- this misconception that um, postpartum depression will go away on its own. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. just give yourself time. And similar to other forms of depression, if you're experiencing true postpartum depression, it really is important that you get support and help because this isn't something that will typically just go away on its own. Mm-hmm. And if it lingers and it's not being attended to, um, it can really have a negative impact on yourself, on your relationship with your spouse, on your child, your family, uh, your friendships. And so recognizing that getting professional help um, can and will help you, yeah. you know, get by, back on track mm-hmm. more quickly so you can be the person and the mother that you want to be. Yeah. And I think, you know, obviously there's going to be a lot of parallels to when we're talking about postpartum mental health and just mental health in yes. general. And I think a lot of people, they're dealing with something or their kid is going through something like, oh, he's going to grow out of it or I'll just get over it. And yes, sometimes you do. A lot of people do. Lots of people are depressed and they get better without any kind of treatment. But we know that treatment definitely can help and also can prevent it from getting worse, which is a possibility. And we shouldn't just assume, well, you know, I'm not going to need any help. It's gonna, I'm going to get better on my own. And I think the stigma plays a big part here. I don't want to be the mom that has to go see a therapist to deal with being sad after giving birth. Right. Whereas we should recognize it's this real thing. It's something that people go through and there's real help out there, which we're going to talk about later on. Yes. And if there, if it wasn't something so common and so real, I wouldn't be here today. Right. Exactly. We wouldn't have support groups. We wouldn't, um, you know, nowadays they're even when you take your baby in for their two week checkup to their pediatrician. I know that my, they did this with my second child. Um, pediatricians are giving out psychological screeners to moms. That's because, wonderful. You know, people are becoming more and more aware mm-hmm. and recognizing that it's very common and with proper treatment, it can get better quickly. Yeah. So, um, you know, just recognizing that there it's real and that there's support out there. Mm-hmm. I think another myth is that, you know, if I suffer from postpartum depression and I say that out loud and I recognize it, that I'm a bad mother mm-hmm. and I might hurt my children. Mm-hmm. I might, you know, do something to hurt them or they might be taken away from me. And um, that's typically not the case. You know, when you suffer from depression, um, you, you typically don't want to hurt your child. If anything, you may have thoughts of hurting yourself. It's, it's with more severe psychosis that you think about hurting your child. And um, if anything, if you get the help that you need, it'll make you a much better, much more attuned and caring mother. Um, so recognizing that you're not going to, you know, you're not right. going to hurt your child. Mm-hmm. In the rare cases, like you mentioned before, of postpartum psychosis, or maybe if the, the depression is so severe, the mother is suicidal. Of yeah. course, there can be potential, but you're saying it's not as likely as people might think that just if you're depressed, you're necessarily going to hurt your child yourself. Or if you're a husband or family member, not to jump to that conclusion doesn't mean you don't need help but don't jump to that exactly i mean you're not a huge risk factor Mm -hmm. but it's something that you need to pay attention to Mm -hmm. because if you don't pay attention to and don't get the help that you need it can affect people negatively including your child and your Mm -hmm. your husband yeah Um, i think another myth is that you know somehow this is your fault what did you do wrong Mm -hmm. Um, you know if you had some sort of childhood trauma or 
if you had a loss during your pregnancy, if you dealt with stressful events or you were, you know, having marital conflict, is this something that is your fault and now you're suffering from postpartum depression? Mm -hmm. And that's not the case. Even though those are risk factors and triggers, um, you know, there is a significant hormonal change that happens mm-hmm. and your body is you know rapidly losing estrogen and progesterone during childbirth and these things impact your mood mm-hmm. um, but i think the biggest take home be- message is that you will get better yes. this isn't something that you're going to suffer with throughout your life you're not going to you know ha- be having these negative feelings and overwhelm um, throughout your life and you're not, you know, going to be an inadequate mother. Um, this is, this isn't something that you've done wrong. Right. Similar to any other form of depression or anxiety. This is something that you are experiencing and it can and will get better. Yeah. And so the blame and shame is what exactly. you know, we're looking at. Blaming yourself for what you're feeling and then feeling ashamed that you're feeling that way. The stuff we've talked about a few times already, it makes me a bad mom. I'm not good. I'm not cut out for this. Yes. Whatever else we might be feeling, but realizing you're not to blame for feeling these feelings and you deserve help and you can and should get that. Of course. Whatever you can. But I think that this one is a big one for me too, the blame. And unfortunately, I think people contribute to that. You know, uh, we're going to talk about a family, in-laws, husbands, whoever else it might be, just this well, you're supposed to be happy. Why is she not happy? Right. And then that gives the feeling, oh, I'm, I'm supposed to only be happy. And if I'm not, something is wrong with me. I'm right. And that leads to people really suffering in silence. Mm-hmm. You know, you have these images of a new mom kind of curled up in her bed by herself, crying and not getting the help that she needs because there's so much shame mm-hmm. attached to that. Yeah. And um, so you don't have to suffer in silence. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, because the more you talk about it, and we'll talk about treatment later, is the better it, you'll be and the mm-hmm. happier of a mother you'll be. Yeah, and that's something, you know, a big goal of mine for this show in general is to talk about stigma and taboos associated, especially to mental illness. Because as you said, it, I would say that, you know, taboo means we suffer in silence. Stigma means we suffer in silence. You know, if a mother gives birth and has a physical complication, they're going to quickly rush her to get help and take care of her as they should and make sure she gets everything she needs. And there's no shame. No one says, oh, you had a complication on your birth. That's your fault. You think, you know, something happened. But when it comes to mental health issues in general, and here again, we see that if the mother is depressed, sad, or going through these things, rather than thinking, oh, let's rush her to get help. Let's, you know, help her. We jump to, oh, is she doing something wrong? Something's wrong with her she's not a good mom, whatever else those judgments might be, we have that stigma attached to it. And unfortunately, like you said, it makes people suffer in silence rather than one, realizing I'm okay to be feeling this way. It doesn't make me bad. And two, I I deserve to get help and there's nothing wrong with that. They just suffer in silence, which is really heartbreaking. Yes. And I think that's a fantastic point is, you know, physically experiencing pain or having like a physical ailment is mm-hmm. is a lot more so socially acceptable. Absolutely. And so, you know, post delivery, you can have complicated physical complications, and that's not frowned upon. But the emotional piece is, is absolutely still very stigmatized. And most, you know, even in the American culture, we have this stigma on mental illness, and we definitely don't equate physical and mental illness. But I think in our Persian culture, you see even more strongly someone's physically hurt feeling something. People talk about it more. They're very open. I need this kind of help. I need that. When it comes to mental illness, 
we don't do that. And that's, I think, one reason why we somatize. We, because we hold in our emotions, because it's not okay to talk about feeling emotionally down or upset, we experience physical symptoms, which are also then more well attended to. Yes. So it kind of reinforces yes. that pattern that, okay, if I have a headache, it's okay. If I have a stomachache, it's okay. But if I'm anxious, I shouldn't talk about it or tell anyone about it. And again, it leads to more suffering and silence. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, we, we have a few more things we want to you know talk about today. And we even have some callers. We might get to talk about them as well. I do want to mention your uh, group again, because I think that's so important. So Dr. Melody Levion is doing a support group for individuals who have recently given birth. So if you or if you know someone who has had a baby within the last five months, you can join this support group or they can join this postpartum support group for women. It is a six-week group that will take place once a week in the evening. And if you're interested in learning more about the group, please feel to contact her at 310-228-3634. And maybe later on when we talk about treatment, you can talk a bit about um, the group, the support group, what people can expect and what they might be able to get out of that experience. Uh, but let's take another commercial break. And after break, we'll talk more with Dr. Melody Levion about postpartum depression and also treatment, what you can do, the help and hope that is out there. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delakwi. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Uh, again, my guest today, Dr. Melody Levion. We're talking about postpartum depression. And actually, we do have a caller. Dr. Levion, you're okay? We take a call now? Yes, absolutely. All right. Let's go to that call. Hello, Radio Hamra. You're on the air. Uh, hi. Hi. Uh, how are you? So much. Oh, fine. Thanks, Dr. Levion. I appreciate for uh, your time uh, spending to answer my uh, questions. Uh, Dr. Livian, I'm mother of a girl who um, I believe had uh, the first child um, postpartum problems. And uh, my question to you is, because I was with her for a short time and then I had to go and come back, she was crying, she was uh, unhappy, um, but she loves her child like all the, the rest of the month. But then later on, after one year, because when I wasn't there, um, I had a phone call from her husband uh, that she had gone on drug. Uh, that is a long story, but uh, I went back. Her husband wanted me to go back, and I went back. I was with her for uh, some time. And after two and a half years of her first child, she had her second child that has been born about 20 uh, days ago. Um, and I want to know, number one, going on drug, do you think was the reason of having the postpartum problem? What type of drugs was she taking? Uh, apparently meth. And she was the kind of girl that at high school she was giving speeches, you know, about against the drug and very much 
in control of all kinds of stuff. She helped a lot of her friends with alcohol or drugs, but uh, she ended up doing this after the child of her, uh, after the birth of her first child, which was, I think, after about seven, eight months. She started doing that, and no, nobody knew until they called me. Okay, and did she get treatment for her, her substance abuse? Uh, no. Uh, she uh, When I went there, she agreed to go to rehab, and uh, she said, okay, fine, and all of a sudden she changed her mind. She said, no, I can do it uh, without going on rehab program, which I knew that wasn't a good idea, but... Uh, uh, within probably two, three months, she she was pregnant again. Okay. So she never she never went under uh, that rehab program, but she did not. From as far as I know, and I stayed with her through the whole pregnancy. As far as I know, she did not do any drug anymore. Okay. During pregnancy. So your question is: Did she start using the drugs as a result of having postpartum depression? Exactly. Yes. So, you know, a lot of times with any form of depression, even postpartum depression, if it's left untreated um, and you don't get professional help, a lot of times people like to self-medicate with drugs and alcohol um, because the sadness and the pain is so intolerable and there are so many feelings of overwhelm that um, people turn to drugs and alcohol to numb the pain. And, and that's, that's what we see in general with any form of depression. So it is possible that, you know, she turned to drugs as a form of self-medicating to, to feel better, to get some relief from her depression. Um, I don't know enough about her, you know, her history of substance use or any of that. Now that she's had her second child, how has, how has her mood been? Uh, so far, so good. So far, so good. But I have to, um, the reason uh, I want to bring up something for hopefully short time um, is because I want, I'm recording uh, our conversation so I can let her listen to it later on. That's great. Um, so the, the thing is that she's married to a um, gentleman who, whose background is Mormon. Mm-hmm. And uh, he does not believe, although he's only 32 years old, uh, he doesn't believe in any of this uh, stuff that you and I believe in. Mm-hmm. And it kind of discourages her from psychologists. She says, no, let's go to the church, talk to the priest. And um, she, he doesn't believe in medication. And, and because she got married very soon, about 19 and a half years, uh, she tends to believe that. And I try to be, to be quiet, to be peaceful, to kind of show them uh, the science behind the whole thing and instead of arguing with him or her. Right. So um, would you please, uh, um, let's say if you were talking to him, what would you tell him that it is extremely important that uh, his wife, who is my daughter, seeks uh, professional uh, treatment? Yes. Uh, so, so I think you're bringing up a really important point that we see in a lot of religions, a lot of cultures where, you know, mental health, uh, psychological symptoms are, are not really recognized. And uh, what we know is that, you know, your, tra- your, your daughter got married young, she had a baby, and she struggled after having a baby. Um, she didn't get the care that she needed. 
So, I mean, we can assume, but we don't know for sure that she turned to uh, an outside resource, which in her in her case was using meth to to numb herself or to cope with some of her challenges. And, um, you know, sending someone to see a therapist and getting on certain psychotropic medications that are being monitored by a professional is a lot more effective than using a pretty severe recreational drug that can hurt you um, and have really long-term effects, can, you know, sometimes even kill you. So, um, you know, know, I I recognize and I, I respect the mentality of, you know, turning to a church or a synagogue or something like that for help. You know, they can turn to the church for, for support as long as they're turning to someone that's going to be able to, to help them recognize some of their challenges and, and you know, not turn to, to drugs or alcohol to help numb that pain. Um, postpartum depression is real. We've spent, you know, a good hour talking about physically what happens to the body and it's not a sign of weakness it's not a sign of you know being an incompetent uh, mother and you know I would just really encourage her and her husband to um, at least meet with a professional to learn a little bit about it or just go out and educate themselves about what could be happening and you know getting some some coping strategies to to effectively cope I think that she would be a happier person, a better wife, a better mother, um, and the family overall would be happier. And I think you as her mother would feel a little bit more relief. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and maybe yeah. I'll, if you don't mind me adding some of my thoughts uh, to that Please. too, um, you know, it's a very complicated issue because at the end of the day, you can't tell someone what to believe. And if they have a religious belief and they hold on to it, you can't tell them believe something else. But, um, you know, when it comes down to it, looking at religion and science, we have to be aware of separating them or at least differentiating them at times. So you can have a religious belief, but if we're talking about science, you can't say, well, science is going to tell me if the earth uh, goes around the sun or if the sun goes around the earth. We have to look at observation and look at the world. So here we're not talking about a belief when we say believe in therapy and me and Dr. Levion are saying, come join our church where we want you to believe in this. We're saying based on scientific research we're seeing that these things are real and we're also seeing that these treatments are helpful for these types of issues so we're not just working on belief or faith we're talking about something based on science so there's something actually there so we have to be able to separate those things again i can't tell someone what to believe and if they say my belief is that you should never see a therapist i can't tell them you have to believe something else i can give them my evidence for that but a belief usually comes from an emotional place, not based just purely on logic. It's based on some level of faith. So that's going to be up to them. But it's like saying, I want to you know, go on a plane, but I don't believe in the science of aviation, so I'm not going to go on the plane. You can see the plane fly in the air. The same thing is true about therapy and uh, the treatments we're going to talk about later on. The science shows that it is helpful for these types of issues. And it's Dr. Levion very well said it showed that she couldn't handle it on her own, that she turned to something far more dangerous that could have harmed her, harmed the baby, and had much worse consequences because she actually needed the real help. So because maybe they didn't want to accept that there's this type of help that to them was unacceptable, she turned to some far worse ways to try to cope with the situation, 
which would have been much worse, already has been worse, but I would hope that she could see that, okay, there's something here. And we're not saying, uh, Dr. Levion mentioned this too, that they shouldn't meet with the church too. Absolutely, they can have that. So it's not one or the other or that they're incompatible. They can meet with whoever, you know, the clergy or whoever they feel can be helpful to them. That's up to them. But then also not discount that there's psychological help, psychiatric help, just like there's medical help that hopefully they would benefit from. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's their belief and their decision to make. Thank you, Dr. Faisal. Sure. Uh, just one more um, I wanted to ask. Uh, would you please, or Dr. Libyan, um, give me uh, the phone number and uh, office number so that I can have them, if I can, um, bring them over there to you. Um, and I'm, I'm just having a problem with the uh, way um, the husband think about psychologists or therapists mm-hmm. or... Um, right. So uh, I wanted somehow, if one of you would please elaborate on how important it is that she sees uh, a professional help, uh, because uh, it is this might happen again with the right. second child. Sure. Right. Okay. So. You know, just to emphasize that, you know, I'm hopefully she won't go down the path of turning to to drugs or alcohol mm-hmm. again, but. Um, it's definitely a possibility if she doesn't get help. And right. the risks of it, you know, using drugs or alcohol, especially once you have a child, is, you know, I don't want to instill any fear, but if a child is in a home where one or both parents um, are using substances, illegal substances, um, that can be uh, deemed as child abuse. And, you know, in certain situations, the kids can be removed from the home. So um, it is important that, you know, she, they do at least get some information about getting, getting coping strategies, adaptive coping strategies, so that um, they don't turn to drugs and alcohol. And, um, you know, they can just work on being, you know, good parents and, and getting treatment for whatever it is that they're struggling with. Mm -hmm. And my office number is 310-228-3634. Thank you so much, Dr. It's my pleasure. Good luck. It sounds like you're a great mother who's very, very concerned, but she's lucky to have you. Thank you, Doctor. I truly, and I, I know everyone that listens to you, we all appreciate your time and your care. Thank it's a, it's you. our thank pleasure. You, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. You too. Thank Take you care. for calling. Bye-bye. You know, uh, you know that. I think what you said was very good. For I hope she heard that. If they are still listening, you know this idea of I see it a lot. Of people, okay, if I'm religious, I should trust that God's going to take care of everything. Especially though, sometimes the stigma still is there more for the mental illness than in physical illness. It reminds me of this story, and I don't know where it's really from, but someone, you know, there's a flood and someone is trying to get away from the flood and they go onto their roof. And first, a helicopter comes. They say, oh, you know, come with us. We're going to save you. And then the person says, no, 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 God's going to take care of me. And then another person comes in like a boat and says, you know, jump into this boat. It's going to be safe. We're going to get you to safety. He says, oh, no, God's going to take care of me and a few more people come to try to help and finally the last person says you know come with me i can finally i can carry you out of here and the person says no god's going to help me and the person says well what do you think god's been doing this whole time god's trying to take care of you you have 
you know, whatever you believe in, you could believe in a God or not, but if you do, you can have things provided for you, but at the end of the day, it's up to us to take the actions in the right direction to then take care of ourselves and do various things. We can't expect whatever God you believe in is just going to carry you through life and you absolutely do nothing. We have to do things to help ourselves. So if you have an issue you're dealing with, even you know, if you believe in a God, you say, well, God has given me these types of treatments that I could then get help and to take care of myself. Not that I have to just sit here in my room and God's going to like magically cure me, which of some course. people believe. I, mean, I love that story. And I think that it could be as simple as, you know, I just turned on the radio and the topic is postpartum depression. And mm-hmm. maybe this is a sign that someone's giving me that, that, I should take action and I should get the help that I need. Yeah. I mean, you're hearing, you know, I hope people are hearing this and that's why we wanted to do a show that people do listen to that and and take action. And I hope the caller, her her family, I get it. Some people have very strict beliefs about certain things. And like I said, I can't tell someone what to believe or what not to believe. I can just share with them the information that I know and that you're sharing even more about, about what we know about this. The brain is a real thing and the brain gets sick too. The brain, like anything can have issues and break down and go through things and we need to address that and that's what we're talking about here so anyone who is listening i hope you realize whether it's a religious belief or just a stigma or judgment about mental health and seeking out mental health services it's a very real thing all human beings deal with mental health issues and we all deserve to get help and uh, after the break we'll actually get into what that help looks like what treatment looks like what people can expect and how that can help them um, get better and deal with what they are going through. So again, today, Dr. Melody Levian is joining me to talk about postpartum depression. If you'd like to call in, 310-441-0555. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Tulakwi. We'll be right back. back again our topic today postpartum depression joining me dr melody levion and we talked a lot about what it is and all these myths and misconceptions about it but definitely want to talk to people about treatment what is out there what they can expect and how it can help them so um tell us a bit about the treatment for postpartum depression so whether you you know you're you think you may be experiencing postpartum blues or postpartum depression or psychosis the first thing you want to do is rule out any medical issues. So any thyroid imbalance, anemia, things that can um, exhibit symptoms of depression, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. they might be tied to a physical um, yeah. ailment. So once you've ruled those things out, um, the first line of treatment would be to get into some sort of individual therapy and a support group. Um, individual therapy really, whether it's with a psychologist or a marriage and family therapist, it really allows a private space, a non-judgmental space for you to work through what you're going through and to get the help, the professional help that you need mm-hmm. um, to really develop coping strategies so that you can cope with the symptoms of effectively cope with the symptoms of depression or anxiety. And support groups, 
the beauty of a support group is you're amongst other individuals who have gone through what you're going through or something similar and are experiencing some of the same symptoms. And mm -hmm. there's something really humbling and um, a warm feeling attached to, you know, sitting in a space with other, in this situation, in this example, other women who have just had a baby and are experiencing the same ups and downs, the same feelings. And to be able to sit in a safe, comfortable environment and know that you're not being judged mm -hmm. and um, to share your experiences and to sit with a professional that can help guide all of you in getting towards the the road towards um, recovery, to, mm -hmm. towards feeling better. Yeah, I think, you know, support groups are underutilized. Um, and if I can say that from my own experience that I haven't really started my own, I've done different things. But I think it is such an incredible process to have people going through the same thing, be it together, share their experiences, realize they're not alone, realize it's normal, and then support each other as only people who are going through something can. You know, I can talk to a woman who's going through postpartum depression, but it'll never be the same as someone else who's actually going through it who, or who has gone through it, talking about it with them and sharing that that space together. So that's why I think it's so great that you are uh, doing this group. I think support groups are great in general, but especially yes. for postpartum depression, something where there can be so much shame attached to it to really normalize it and give that sense of community and connection. Definitely. And, you know, I think a lot of times it's hard to recognize things within yourself. Mm -hmm. And so when you're sitting in a support group and you listen to someone sitting next to you share their experience, a lot of times that's when you develop your own insight mm -hmm. and awareness and recognize, wow, this is what it looks like in someone else. And mm -hmm. this is similar to how I'm feeling. And through that process, it's the group that I'm starting is a six week group. Um, but the goal is that through that process and through the sessions, you develop awareness, insight, and adaptive strategies to to conquer and, and to cope with your um, symptoms of depression mm -hmm. and and to find ways to help yourself work through it so that, you know, you can get back to your new normal. You can um, be the best best person, best mother, best partner mm -hmm. um, that you can be. And um, it's really powerful. Support groups are really wonderful. Yeah. You know, I like that you said, you know, you've used it a couple of times now, the, your new normal. And your life never should be the same as it was before you had a child. Right. Because it is different. Now, it doesn't mean you can't have a lot of things you used to have and, and find that. But, yeah, finding a new normal, I think, is really important. And it's really challenging. You know? Of course. It's probably the biggest shift in identity you can have as going from an individual to a parent. And so you do have to find that new normal. And I think the support group can really help people figure that out for themselves. You know, in a support group, although we're saying you normalize and you connect with other people, you also recognize that, like anything, postpartum depression doesn't look the same for every individual. It's right. going to look different from person to person. And that could be part of the process of like owning, okay, this is what I'm going through. It's similar from that mother's experience, but different in this way and similar to that one. And finding your own experience through that with other people yes, as well. Yes, exactly. I think well said. Um, and I think, you know, to add to that, in some situations when someone is experiencing more severe depression mm -hmm. or a history of depression and it's kind of recurring, um, antidepressant medication can yeah. be very effective. I was going to ask you about that because I think people in general have stigmas and, you know, attached to taking psychiatric medication. 
but after pregnancy, I'm sure there's even more. And especially, I, I don't know what you know about breastfeeding and how that can yes. relate to taking antidepressants. So, you know, firstly, uh, the first line of, of treatment would be therapy and support mm-hmm. groups. But in cases where antidepressant medication is being prescribed, there are safe um, SSRI, psychotropic medications that are safe um, for women that are breastfeeding. And, you know, I would encourage you to see a professional psychiatrist um, who can assess your situation and prescribe and monitor you. Mm-hmm. Um, in a lot of situations, if your postpartum depression is severe, it's actually more harmful to yourself and to your baby to be left untreated rather than to right. be taking a medication, you know, a low-dose antidepressant mm-hmm. that can really just right. kind of take the edge off and um, help you cope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like anything, we're going to look at the pros and the cons and... So you're saying there are safe ones and neither of us are psychiatrists to speak on that at length, but talk with your psychiatrist, your mental health professional about if, you know, if medication is, looks like it's needed, which ones will be okay for you to breastfeed and, and make sure you're doing that, but not to think that you definitely should not take medication. Of course, yes. So as you said, first line of treatment, always therapy and a support group, but medication might be indicated and people should look into that. Um, related to the support group, I was just thinking, you know, someone might think, well, I just had a baby and I don't know if I have postpartum depression or if I, you know, where I, I am. Can they just contact you and, and will you then screen them in yes, some way? Yes, absolutely. You can contact me. I'll assess whether or not you would be appropriate for mm-hmm. the group. Um, if you're listening and you have a family member or friend, I would encourage you to have them call me because uh, it's always most effective when the person takes initiative. Sure. Um, and what you, your role can be uh, would be to offer to watch the baby um, <laughs> one evening a week so that um, your loved one can come in and, and have an hour to an hour and a half for themselves to to get the help that they need. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to shift gears and, and talk a little bit about what are some things that you can do um, if in addition to getting professional help. Mm-hmm. Um, so that you can cope, whether it's with the blues or depression. So if you have a pen and paper, you could write mm-hmm. these things down or you can uh, listen to the show later on. So the first and foremost is to be able to ask for help. Yes. To recognize that you can't and should not have to do this on your own. Mm-hmm. And to delegate responsibility, whether it's to a family member, to friends, um, you know, if you have the ability to hire someone to help you out. Um, temporarily or long-term, ask for help. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big one. Um, it relates to some of the things we've talked about before about being a good mom, that I shouldn't need help or I should be able to handle it on yes. my own. But as you said, no no person or no even husband and wife can raise a child on their own. They need help. And of course. You should definitely be willing to ask for And that. it takes a village. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really not something that you're supposed to be doing on your own. So... You know, if you don't have family around, um, if you don't have a large support system, really kind of venturing out and being creative about getting support so that you're not doing this on your own. Mm -hmm. Secondly, I think it's important to just be good to yourself. Um, Just because, you know, you brought this a child into the world doesn't mean that all your needs have to be neglected. So it's important to pamper yourself. Um, do nice things for yourself so that you feel good, so that you're able to care for your child. Um, thirdly, I would encourage you to share your feelings, whether it's with your partner, with a friend, with a therapist. Um, 
you don't have to suffer in silence. Yes. You don't have to sit with your own thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, related to that is accepting that it first takes that acknowledgement that my feelings are okay, which always is the case that we're going to have to have that acknowledgement before we can even see our feelings and express them, but that your feelings, if you're upset, it's okay. You shouldn't feel ashamed to tell a friend, you know what, I've been really sad or I've been really this or worried. It's okay to share your feelings because they are okay. And and yeah, I think you're right to, to do that would be very, very helpful. Um, but yeah, definitely continue. What else can people, new moms do? So, you know, one of the biggest complaints that I get from my patients is sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not getting enough sleep. And Sleep is is huge. Sleep is, you know, they use depriving people of sleep is actually yeah. used as a form of torture. <laughs> yep. So if you think about it, not sleeping or getting adequate sleep can really impact your mm-hmm. mood. Mm-hmm. So trying to sleep, I know it sounds cliche, sleep when the baby sleeps. Well, you know, there's laundry and there are all these other things that need to get done. But And that's where asking for help comes asking, in too. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So if there are opp- opportunities to sleep during the day, sleeping um, communicating with others, whether it's your spouse or a family member, to you know take on, let's say it's like a night night feeding for the baby, so you can get a good chunk of sleep in because sleep is is important. Eating well is really important. Um, exercising. So I'm a big proponent of exercise because we know in general exercise um, plays a significant role in in coping with depression and anxiety, mm-hmm. yeah. and um, the first six six weeks after giving birth, you're not supposed to engage in heavy physical uh, exercise, but it could be as simple as going for a 30-minute walk once a day. And it's good for you. It's good for the baby. Um, it's good for everyone. So making sure that you're doing some sort of exercise once a day, mm-hmm. if that. Um, we, you talked about antidepressants before. I know there's some research showing yes. that physical exercise can be as effective as an antidepressant yes. in treating things like depression and anxiety. So absolutely, if you are if you don't want to go to the medication route, definitely make sure you're exercising first and see if that helps you. Absolutely. And once you get clearance for um, after six weeks, mm-hmm. research does show that three times a week of pretty intense cardio activity for 30 minutes has the same role or same effective um, qualities as a low-dose antidepressant. So exercise is huge. Yeah. Just getting out in the sun, getting some fresh air, um, getting your heart rate up, releases certain endorphins um, and helps your hormones and your body get back on track. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's very important. Um, and, you know, making some time for you and your spouse and, you, and you know, self-care in general. Mm-hmm. Um, those things are are the first to go when you have a baby. And it's really important to um, set aside some time for you to do some nice things for yourself so that you can regroup and um, cope with some of those feelings of depression and yeah. and just be a happier person. Yeah, I think that's a, you know, that's a big thing for moms and Persian moms in general with this shift from beco- becoming a parent, this idea that, yes, you're responsible for this child, but it doesn't mean you forget taking care of yourself. And even that can be part of, unfortunately, some of the myths we have of being a good mom is that you don't take care of yourself, you suffer, and you become a martyr for your kids. So don't take care of yourself. And I'm a good mom because I didn't go get my, you know, go for a massage or get my nails done or do the things I used to do because now I'm a mom and I'm going to suffer and be just in pain for my kid where that's not helping anybody. So I think that's another stigma or 
you know, misconception to take away that taking care of yourself actually is the best thing you can do for your child. Absolutely. And I think I, I'm glad you brought up this idea of being a martyr. I think, mm-hmm. you know, it's an older fashion, older mentality is, you know, you, you, you have to just give everything to your child mm-hmm. and you, all your needs kind of go out the door once you have a child. And that's not the mentality that we live by, especially mm-hmm. nowadays in, in today's culture is, um, it's important to put your needs in some ways first so that you can be the mother that you want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, if your needs are completely being neglected, um, not only will you be an unhappy person, an unhappy mother, but you won't be functioning from the best part of right. you. Mm-hmm. And that's that's not fair to you. It's not fair to your family. Um, I think in general, if you have opportunities to make some time for yourself, mm-hmm. um, such as whether it's going to therapy or spending time with friends, um, these will all in in congruence will work together to make you um, a happier person. Yeah. So I think we have to, sometimes it's almost like this suffering Olympics, like, you know, which mom is suffering the most Mm -hmm. to show that she cares (laughs) the most for her kids. And that's not what you're supposed to be striving for. So we have to get that misconception out of our head. And I like this kind of cheesy cliche example, but when you go on a plane, if yes. you're with a kid, they say if the oxygen masks come down, put it on yourself first before you put it on the child because you have to make sure you're taken care of so you can take care of your child the best that you can. And that extends to life in general. If you're yes. not okay, if you're overwhelmed, if you're stressed, if you're not doing well, you're not doing anything good for your child at all. You're hurting your child in the long run. And even not just when they're babies, as they get older too, to remember that mentality that I have to make sure I'm okay to make sure... I take care of my kids the best yes, that I can. Beautifully said. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we're actually at our last commercial break. Okay. And after the break, um, you know, you touched on it before, but what can partners and family members do to help in the process in general, but especially related to postpartum depression? So again, my guest today, Dr. Melody Levian, we were talking about postpartum depression. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delaqui. We'll be right back. Welcome back to In Session with Dr. Fadid Halakwi. So we're getting into our last segment with Dr. Melody Levian. We're talking about postpartum depression. We've talked about what it is, in a way what it isn't, treatment, a bunch of different things, myths and misconceptions. Now we want to conclude talking about what partners and family and friends should and shouldn't do in general, but especially in dealing with postpartum depression. So maybe we can start with some of the don'ts. What are things that you see people do that they probably shouldn't do? Right. So I think a lot of times when I see couples come into my office, uh, the issues are surrounding, you know, one the partner feeling like, you know, my husband or my partner just doesn't understand. Mm-hmm. He, doesn't, he doesn't understand. He or she doesn't understand what I just went through. Um, my body, my physical body, caring for a new baby. And so one of the biggest things is, 
never saying to your to your wife, everyone has a baby. It's not a big deal. <laughs> uh-huh. um, you know, minimizing right. their experience, minimizing, mm-hmm. you know, the the labor, the the pregnancy, the labor, the delivery, caring for a child, <laughs> recognizing that it's a pretty big deal. Although a lot of people do it, it doesn't. You know, not minimizing their experience. Absolutely, I think that's a big one. And so, in essence, not contributing to that myth that we're talking about before that being a mom is just all good and happy and they should only be feeling happy and of course minimizing not just in this case in any case you don't want to minimize someone's feelings especially your partners but that's something big for husbands or partners and also family members in general don't come in minimizing don't come in saying oh you should be happy what do you mean you're sad or if you're crying go in with that understanding and expectation that they're going to feel a bunch of different things and make sure you're not adding to that shame that they're experiencing. Right. And, and recognizing that this is something temporary. It Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that you've lost your wife or that your wife has, you know, forever changed. Mm -hmm. So not saying things like, you know, what's wrong with you or, you know, what's happened to my wife? I want my wife back. Things like that. Those are all things that, you know, continue to shame and encourage the the wife to suffer in silence. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's incredibly important to one educate yourself mm-hmm. about postpartum depression so that you can be the best partner for your your wife and for your family and a good father for your child. So educating yourself, um, if need be, talking to your wife's OBGYN, talking to a pediatrician, um, talking to a therapist. Being a resource rather rather than an added stressor, right? Um, and you know, recognizing that this is also a shift for you. Mm-hmm. So, becoming um, a father or a, a parent is a shift for you. Although you're not physically going through the changes and and not physically carrying the baby, your life is being impacted too. Mm -hmm. So making sure that you're taking care of yourself so that you can be physically, emotionally, and psychologically available to to your wife, um, to your partner, Mm -hmm. and support her in in getting her needs met. Right. Yeah, I actually saw um, that actually men, if a father, a new father also is more at risk for things like depression and anxiety after birth, which makes sense too. We can, I think for the mother, there's even more physically going on and emotionally mm-hmm. going on, but still even for the father, they're at risk and we, we can't um, deny that either. Of we course. want to be aware of that as well, that for them, they're going through the identity shifts and things that we talked about and the pressure and the, the sleeplessness, hopefully to close to equal degree if they're sharing the burden of of uh, child rearing, but so that's something that's very real as well. But so definitely want to make sure we're not adding, as you said, becoming an additional stressor. We don't want to contribute to these thoughts or misconceptions that you should be happy. You shouldn't be sad. If you're sad, somehow you're the problem or you're at fault. And remembering that even if she is sad, it's not forever. This makes sense after childbirth and and be there for her. But maybe we can talk about some of the do's. What should especially right. partners do, but people do to help right. someone. So I think, you know, if you walk into the room and you see your wife crying, mm-hmm. to walk up to her and give her a hug and, mm-hmm. and say, that's okay. Cry Can as you much say as that you part want. Again? <laughs> Cause I think a lot of just people in general with husbands need to, to hear it. that partners, they think they have to fix, fix it. it. And, yeah. and, and to just walk up to your, to your wife and give her a hug yeah. and say, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Cry. Mm-hmm. Your body just went through so many changes. It's okay. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and just just simply saying it's okay and normalizing the experience goes a long yeah, way. Yeah. And, you know, recognizing, wow, you know, we just brought this beautiful baby into this world. And even looking at each other and being able to say, this is a big responsibility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes it can feel really nice to have your partner cry with you. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to go cry with your wife every time she's crying. But, you know, just just being supportive, listening, not needing to fix it. It's not something that needs to be fixed. It's just right. being supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, and being supportive, there's the emotional side, but of course also in the child rearing and taking care of yes. the home and making sure things are in order. Make sure you're stepping up because now yes. more is expected out of you as the partner or also a family. Right. But be there um, for the new mom because they're going through so yes. much. And also, I'm sure you can speak more to this, but making sure if, let's say, you're the in-laws or even the, the mother's parents and family and friends, you're helping the way that she wants it. Yes. Sometimes, of course, That's especially with Persian families, we can get the intrusive help. Like, oh, I know how to sleep the baby or I know how to do this or I'm going to do that. See what the mom wants. The mom might say, you know, if you could take care of the bottles and like, you know, and clean those or clean this or take out, that would help me so much, which also, as you mentioned before, means that moms have to be able to ask for help and ask for the specific help yes. they want. Not think, oh, I don't want to ask my mother-in-law right. to do that because that seems mean or bad, but, you know, Absolutely. Both sides can hopefully accept that we are in a stressful situation. Let's work together. That's a fantastic point. I think that, you know, a lot of times when a change happens within a family, such as a baby being born, mm-hmm. everyone wants to give their their two cents. Everyone uh-huh. wants to, you know, thinks that they know what's best, whether it's your mother, your father, your mother-in-law, your sister, your aunts, your grandparents. And, you know, everyone wants to help. And sometimes that help can come across as being intrusive. Mm -hmm. So uh, being able to, you know, for the family members, recognizing that right now is a super sensitive emotional and hormonal time so that instead of kind of expressing your needs and how you want to help, really taking a step back and listening to the new mother and paying attention to, you know, what is she struggling with? Mm-hmm. What are her needs? How yeah. would she want things to be done? If she's having, you know, a little bit of a meltdown or she's feeling re- emotional, maybe it's best if I take the kid for a walk and give her some space. Mm-hmm. So really kind of taking taking a step back and uh, focusing on the mother and the baby and their needs rather than your role. Because right. a lot of times it comes from a great place and mm-hmm. a good place and you you know, you know, want to help, but you don't realize that you could be coming across as, um, you know, and adding to some of the postpartum right. symptoms. Yeah. So I think that you, br- you brought up a great point is, you know, just taking a step back and a lot of times family and friends are the first to notice that you may be experiencing postpartum Mm -hmm. symptoms so you know encouraging them to talk about their feelings um, to get professional help if they think that that might be helpful not shaming them not saying things like you know you're being so ungrateful or Mm -hmm. uh, what's wrong with you just normalizing Um, you know everyone throughout history has experienced this it's just now we're putting a name to it and now we're talking about it Mm -hmm. and You know, back in the day in in Iran or in other countries or even here, uh, women did experience these symptoms. They just, they weren't really allowed to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, so. Yeah, they probably, I'm sure, as they still do, but even more, were holding it inside and judging themselves negatively because everyone was 
you know, kind of pretending like it was just a beautiful and easy thing when everyone was suffering. And I think that's Absolutely. the sad things when we have these stigmas that we're both suffering and you could be sitting next to someone and they're suffering and you're suffering, but we both pretend like we're okay rather than when we open up and share the suffering, then we connect and we both feel better, which again, at the end of today, I'll mention the support group again, but that's exactly what that's all about is people just connecting at that pain. Right. And you don't have to suffer in silence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this is something that can and will get better. And I think that's the take-home message of today yes. is um, there are days, there will be days that you feel like this is just too much. I'm tired. I can't do this. Mm -hmm. um, but there, there's hope. And I think taking it one step at a time, which sometimes that means one day at a time, sometimes it means one hour at a time. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, with adequate support and help from family, friends, partners, uh, professional help, you can get through this. And, you know, life will be happy again. It doesn't mean that because you've experienced symptoms of postpartum depression that, you know, you're doomed. And, right. you know, the next time you get pregnant, you'll experience this again. That doesn't necessarily mean that. Mm -hmm. um, so it doesn't have to be such a struggle. It doesn't right. have to be... Um, such a negative experience. Mm -hmm. Having a baby is a beautiful thing and it can have its challenges, but it, the the pros far outweigh the cons if you get if you have the proper resources. Right. And I think you know since we're talking about what families and partners can do, even more you have to be ready to reinforce this idea to the new mom that it is okay to feel sad. I mm -hmm. think in Persian families especially, but in all families the mom, the new mom might feel this pressure from the in-laws. You know, I have to make sure they see me as a good mom and that, you know, their their son or, you know, whoever married the right person or whatever it might be. And so if you can come in with that, except of course you're going to feel sad sometimes. It makes sense. You're crying. You went through so much. That can help so much in just taking that weight off their shoulder. Yes. Ah, okay, I can be myself. I, I'm okay to feel this way. They're okay with me feeling this way. I don't have to, you know, hide things. I yes. think we're so big on image and how things look like, oh, the in-laws are coming over. I have to be this well put together mom. I can't be some, you know, you just had a baby. You're going to be not feeling so good. You're not going to be probably as feel as presentable as you usually like to be, whatever else it might be. The house might not look as good as, you know, you're Sue and that being okay. And the, the in-laws especially, but all the family coming in with that expectation and even giving that support, like, of course, like this is what's supposed to happen and this is okay. Yes, of course. And I think well said. And I hope that um, for all of you listening today, those are some, some take-home messages that you can take um, so that you know, being a parent, becoming a parent and experiencing some of these things doesn't have to be um, such a challenge mm -hmm. and that there are so many resources out there, um, so many clinicians that, that are willing to help and um, communication is huge so mm -hmm. talking about what's going on and getting the help you need is huge and yeah. um, thank you so much for having me on oh, your show thank today. thank you for coming on this is such an important topic and you know having a child is challenging and as you said it doesn't have to be something that overwhelms us or devastates us and we can do a lot to make it easier so to make that challenge a little bit easier to carry that burden and that's what we're we're talking about today and I'm so happy to just open the conversation on this topic hopefully to encourage more the conversation doesn't stop mm -mm. in you know after a few minutes when we're done on the show that people continue these conversations in their homes and their families and recognize that this is more okay research about it talk to their doctors about it and say okay this is a real thing this is what's going on and again there is 
help out there. And again, I'll conclude by mentioning that Dr. Levion is starting a group, postpartum support group for women who have had a baby within the last five months. It's a six-week group that will take place once a week in the evening. So if you're interested, feel free to give her a call at 310-228-3634. Also, if you're interested in therapy in general, you can contact her at that number or also go to her website, www.wellnesspsychotherapy.com. Dr. Levion, thank you so thank much you so for much, joining Dr. me. Pied. We're going to have to have you back on to talk about this and other issues as well, but thank you for joining thank me. Thank you. All right. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadra Luck. We thank you to the callers, to Rahman here in the studio. Hope you have a wonderful day. <laughs>